Hello and welcome to Rockets Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Linode. Uh, I'm Simone de Rochefort. I'm a video producer at Polygon.com. And guess what I have with me today? Two co-hosts. Rihanna Wu, Democratic candidate for Congress in Massachusetts, and Christina Warren, senior cloud developer advocate at Microsoft and world tourer of the the Microsoft Ignite variety. (laughs) Yes, I'm back. Yay. Yay. Um, uh, No international travel plan for a while, um, uh, knocking on wood, but yes. Um, I'm so proud of you uh, for doing the full nine weeks. I know nine stops crazy. I um India was was cool. Um I am very glad that I did not commit to doing the show because the internet was um uh, you know it was fine for for a hotel and I'm sure it was very good for the area but it would not have been acceptable. Mhm. That was your best hotel room yet. I'm going to yeah. be real. Um I mean I think that the St. Regis in Toronto but but in terms of not like getting upgraded to the fifteen hundred dollar a night like super suite, without a doubt, definitely, definitely like yeah, it I was like the decor good. better. Really? Yeah, what, yeah. Huh? Yeah. You know what's gonna happen is Jim is going to like frame Christina for a crime. <laughs> Jim who like <laughs> like edits the audio for our episodes just so you have an ankle bracelet and you cannot leave the state. <laughs> 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 there so it doesn't like get carpal tunnel and you got her now folks well we have a pretty big show today so i want to start by opening the floor to uh an update on the huawei situation um also because christina did not get a chance to weigh in on it last week but there was an update in that huawei uh filed a motion to accelerate its lawsuit against the u.s government uh which was originally filed in march uh, they're saying that the ban on them is unconstitutional because it singles out Huawei as a danger without giving it a chance to appeal. Um, and also that basically unpermitting them, which is not a word, but we're going to roll with it, from building structures in the U.S. Uh, is it, a, it damage. It takes away freedom of choice for American consumers and car- carriers and also would disproportionately damage rural areas, quote unquote from the New York Times. Uh, Christina, tell us about this. Yeah, so that last part about damaging like people in rural areas, that's actually the only part that I actually think is that they can kind of say with a, a straight face. I mean, not to say that some of the other stuff might not have some merit, but there is like a certain irony in like a, a company based in China that, <laughs> you know, that was started by former Chinese government people talking about, you know, um, stuff like this it's just it, it it's talking about know, the government like, taking away freedom of choice right right but um it, you know especially given the fact that, that the chinese have always and and in fairness to them completely like candidly like they don't even like have any qualms about it like put their own interests and their own companies above um uh say you know um any anybody else who's doing business there the one thing i would say that that's sort of interesting is that point about rural um, uh, governments, uh, rural um, uh, areas, because Huawei basically does a tremendous amount of the infrastructure for not just 5G, uh, which is coming up, but a lot of just the infrastructure and routers and broadband um, in general. And so if, depending on on what is ruled with kind of these, um, with this ban, it would completely cut down not just the rollout of 5G because the competitors are a couple of years behind, mm. but where that would really hurt would be in rural areas that don't have access to broadband and things like that anyway. Which in America so I, is pretty common because we are behind on infrastructure. Right, right. In part because it's we infrastructure had infrastructure. Week, Simone. It's infrastructure, infrastructure week. week. <laughs> Bree, what's your what's your read on this? Uh, you know, uh, I just, I, Christina, I want to just touch on something you said. It is true that China makes absolutely no bones about helping their own companies. I'm just, I want for like at least Westerners listening to the show to take a second and imagine like, like the federal government of the United States intervening to make sure Microsoft triumphs all around the world or, right. or Boeing. I mean, it's so messed up if you think about it. It's anti-competitive and it's just, uh, they're, they're 
companies in the United States are very correct to be upset about that. Uh, as far as this uh, this briefing, as the New York Times points out, it's a very high risk move. This mm-hmm. uh, lawsuit they're bringing forward, uh, discovery. Uh, you know, the U.S. government could very clearly ask for discovery, which would be very time consuming. It would mean Huawei would have to open up uh, a lot of things to the U.S. government. So it's a high risk move. And uh, Christina, I don't know how you feel. I am unbelievably skeptical about uh, the United States' uh, like true motivation behind oh, this move. One thousand so, percent. Like, because yeah. I, I think you can have a couple of things that are true, right? Like, I yeah. think that you can say that there might be some security concerns and some things that should be looked into in terms of, of of Huawei's some of their infrastructure things, right? Like, I think that you can have that skepticism. I will say, I haven't yet seen anything from a technical breakdown that comes from sources that I deem reliable that yep. actually leads me to think that that's there. I mean, we were all kind of hoodwinked by the by Bloomberg's, you know, great hack story. This seems like the, some of the the things that I've, I've, I've seen kind of bandied about as if it's fact where there's no concrete anything Nothing. seems even more extreme than that. That said, you know, I I think that it, it it's very fair to be to be skeptical and to be wary of of um you know communications firms um that have such close ties to you know any government right sure. uh, but but let alone something like uh you know like the Chinese government who has um you know very uh strict kind of you know like surveillance type of stuff like do that, you think, I think there's is- any downside for the U.S. government if this case moves into discovery? Potentially, because I mean, I think that well, maybe not. I mean, I think the only thing that would be a downside there would be if they're kind of shown, it, it, I guess, that they look bad. But I mean, it, it really does. It's really not a downside for them. They, they, I think, would be happy to do that. I think that's mm-hmm. why they're pushing for summary judgment at this point, um, because they don't want it to go to that place. But, but to your broader point, Bree, like, I think that two things can be true. So you could have real security concerns or ethical concerns or whatever. Yeah. But I also think that you can say that what is leading to this is has nothing to do with security, has nothing to do with with uh, data production and, and is completely about a trade war. And and I, that I find pretty, uh, you know, disgusting. Um, Elliot uh, Zagman uh, tweeted kind of a whole thread about um, the, the irony of a Chinese firm crying foul about the U.S. violating um, human rights. And his last tweet, I just wanted to read this because it's really interesting, it says, so this is the, uh, so the U.S. is using brute hegemonic authoritarian force in part because China insists on its own brute authoritarian force. So the U.S. Is, as a liberal hegemon is a hypocrite. And when China complains about their rights, so are they. What a bizarre world we live in. I think yeah. that just kind of sums it up. You know, it, hmm. it's, it's really yeah. interesting. That's the legal system I, in a nutshell right there. I know we got a lot of show to get to, and this is just a quick update, but just one more thing to say about this. I think Trump really gave away the game with his comments that happened after we recorded last week, where he's up there and he's babbling in front of the cameras and saying, oh, why would we'll get it done uh, with this trade deal? We'll get it done with the trade deal, and they'll address that. As if any freaking trade deal has Jack S to do with cybersecurity. Right, and it doesn't. It doesn't. Well, yeah, and I'll I'll add one more thing, too. I think that the potential bad thing for the U.S. here, I would say this would be the downside of it going to discovery. If, because the ties to to Huawei and the Chinese government and, and China in general are so strong, if China wanted to, they could act unilaterally and say, okay, well, if you're gonna do this to our companies, we're going to do things to your companies. Yeah. And we're going to retaliate by either not allowing people to manufacture or produce or, or have access to things there and cut off, you know, a massive supply chain or, um, you know, uh, within their own lawsuits that oftentimes do happen between those companies. They're like, okay, well, we're going to go to war now here too. That I think would be, but that I just thought about that. I think could be the only, you know, kind of potential downside is what does this do in this game of chicken that our idiot president insists on playing? Yeah. Oh. I think that's well said. And uh, now, speaking of idiot chicken, <laughs> uh, idiot chicken episode title. Right no, there. I don't think I can do that. We <laughs> so people have probably seen this video or the commentary on this video going around. Last Friday, Washington Post reported on a video that had been posted that depicted Nancy Pelosi oh. uh, giving oh. a speech, and the video creator had slowed down the video so that, you know, the the speech sounded, it, it was affected, but pitched it up 
so that her voice didn't sound as it had the quality of her voice didn't sound as if it had slowed down. But the, the words that were coming out of her were obviously altered and strange and stuttering. And uh, this was posted basically as is ostensibly as like, oh, look at Nancy Pelosi who can't speak sentences um, without an indication that it was false. And this has been the center of much conversation this week because Facebook's response was to put a, an indicator on the video saying um, there is additional reporting on this and to minimize uh, how, how visible it was on the platform, but not to take it down. So there's been a lot of discussion on what well, this is a falsified video, should it be taken down? Should it be left up? Should they have made it more clear in the text on the video saying like, this is clearly falsified rather than there is additional reporting on this, which I think you can guess where I fall on that particular argument because that means nothing. Um, it, it's basically, well, not, uh, not particularly different or necessarily worse than other false videos, uh, especially ones that involve AI-created faces, it has become, I think, more of a flashpoint for conversation than other altered videos because of the response that it's had, which is millions of views and this conversation around, like, well, what is what is the definition of a fake video for somebody who is a potential presidential candidate in 2020? Yeah. Uh, you know, Christina, I just before we start this, I suspect you and I are probably going to disagree today. <laughs> So yeah, I just I want to so. stress by saying, yeah, we're still, we're, we're friends. You know? <laughs> I love each other very much. It's fine. I, re I realize, look, there are very real concerns about free speech uh, when it comes to Facebook policy and taking down content. But, you know, I was reading a book this weekend. It was called uh, Dawn of the Code War. It's by John P. Carlin, a former, uh, 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 basically someone who worked with uh, Robert Mueller at the FBI prosecuting cyber crimes. And what he gets into is the idea of information warfare. Information warfare is not a new uh, technique. It, the goal of it is to basically keep a population thinking about anything else other than what's best for the nation itself. The goal of information is to divide people against each other and to frankly put so much BS out there that people can't act in their own self-interest. So I think, like, I'm looking at this obviously as a congressional candidate for a national security uh, position. And it seems very inconsistent to me to argue that uh, you know, WikiLeaks and Julian Assange that uh, WikiLeaks is a publisher and should not be published and uh, prosecuted under the Espionage Act, a position I agree with, by the way. But then to turn around and say Facebook is not a publisher and has no responsibility for any kind of fact-checking or you know, uh, basically taking a critical look at the things that go up on its service. Facebook has tried this game for the entire time they've been around. Uh, it's not working. And the, the truth is, this is having extremely destructive effects on our democracy. And I think sooner or later, they're going to have to take a stronger position here because it it's so detrimental to the national security of our country. Yeah, I actually don't disagree with that. Um, I, what I, what, I mean... I I would say that I have problems, I think, in general of kind of uh, policing, you know, speech. And I think that you could make arguments that if if I actually think you could say this, I think that if Facebook actually were to say we are not a platform, but we are like a media entity um, with the right type of, I guess, there might even still be a way that, that those videos could be published with, with it falling uh, under those uh, um under free speech protections, but I'm in agreement with you that you can't make both arguments. You can't say that Julian Assange is not a journalist, but Facebook um, is is uh, is not a, a media publisher, right? Like I, I, WikiLeaks and Facebook, I believe, kind of fall under the same thing. What I would kind of uh, say though is is that um, yeah, we should only do this for the most egregious cases. If someone's mm -hmm. like ridiculous uncle is pasting, like I have a friend of mine, he's a beyond right winger, um, basically a guy. We're friends, and he likes motorcycles. I like motor 
motorcycles. And he was posting something that was basically a right-wing propaganda piece saying that AOC wants to destroy all motorcycles. And, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. I, that's not funny. I know. It's it's silly. But there are people there. It was, it was really interesting right. to read because it was written in a way to deliberately mislead people. And he's like, oh, it's satire. I don't want Facebook going through and adjudicating everything that is true or untrue. But I think right. if something raises up to that level, to, to go mm-hmm. that viral, I do think eventually they're going to have to take a position on these bigger cases. Well, and I do think, like, if, if that's, if satire is the argument we want to make here, I do think that they have a responsibility to denote that clearly. And yeah. for me, the, the part of this that I'm very certain about is that having text that says um, additional reporting is available is not yes for for a population that believes that the news media is full of uh, lies exactly that's not enough you need to have a tag that says satire you need to have something that uh, uh, i think the verge suggested this says says this has been altered or whatever this video Um, has been distorted to change its meaning something like that that like clearly is there whether people choose to believe that right is their responsibility at that point my big thing here i think is consistency. And I think this is honestly, I've said this repeatedly where I have the biggest issue with Facebook is that Facebook, a lot of these companies want to do it. They want to have it both ways. They want to make certain judgments about some things and not about others. And I think that you either have to go all in and, and you know, kind of own it and say, we're not going to take anything down um, uh, unless it breaks the law or we're going to act in a responsible way and have editorial judgment. Honestly, I feel, I feel like it comes down to consistency because they mm-hmm. will take things down if it, if it hurts them enough or if it's embarrassing enough. But in a case like this, they want to claim, oh, no, well, you know, this is a, a free expression thing. It's the same way where, you know, when uh, Kara Swisher was interviewing Mark Zuckerberg a year ago and he was talking about why he wouldn't remove you know, um, uh, extremist content from Nazis and, and people, you know, um, basically being Holocaust deniers. Uh, fast forward a year from now, they have actually said that they're going after some of that content, not necessarily, I guess, specifically, you know, denying the Holocaust, but but some of the other kind of extremist um, uh, content, at least when when they see it and banning some of those other things. And so to me, I mean, this is just, it's just completely inconsistent. But I'm with you, Simone. I mean, I feel like if you're going to have this up, you need to have something that says more than just additional reporting is needed. Because as you said, so much of the populace, regardless of what political side they're on, doesn't believe the media anyway. And these Mm -hmm. are the sorts of things that are not going to be noticed. Yeah, what does that even mean? Right, exactly. That Actually, that brings me, your points on Facebook's inconsistency brings me um, to their appearance on CNN uh, with Anderson Cooper, a Facebook representative, went on and kind of broke down Facebook's position on this video, which Ian Ian Bogost uh, really wrote very well about in The Atlantic. Um, But Facebook, he basically in the PC illustrates this complete uh, breakdown between Anderson Cooper's perception of the video as a journalist and Facebook's Mm -hmm. perception of the video as content. Um, And the, the representative said... Let me find the quote. Sorry, I should have organized that better. Uh, Basically that because the conversation has centered around the video and discussion of the video, uh, that means that it that the because the video is basically engendering conversation and more content that it is okay to have up because the conversation is not like this is a true video. The conversation is I mean, that's. Yeah, I mean that's such a great dodge. I, I, I think, it's, it's I think, a very uh, good dodge. I think I know the person that they had on. What was? It? Do you know the name of the person they had on? Uh, the, their last name was Bickert, and I foolishly did not write down the first name. Okay, well, that's a different person I was thinking of because they've hired some former uh, like journalists, like 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 press people to do mm-hmm. some of this stuff, like to be like their political kind yeah. of operatives, and like. I gotta say that's well crafted. I don't know. I just I feel like the inconsistency is what gets me. I made a comment on Twitter about this, kind of uh, in, in um, adding on to to, to Kara Swisher's um, op-ed um, in in the New York Times, which you know is really kind of calling on a lot of this. Um, this is where I think we'll disagree, Bree, because I I'm not necessarily in favor of the government getting involved here. I I don't, I don't have want arguments. The government involved. No. I, I okay. Well, then we're in agreement. Like I, I, in terms of regulation, like here's the thing. I think that there are regulatory issues you can bring up about Facebook and their 
consolidation of power around user data, around advertising, around mobile communications, around how they handle private information, that sort of thing. I think you could bring up potential antitrust things and maybe break things up on those lines. I don't want the government to start mandating what a company can or cannot do and, and, and whether they should be classified as, you know, a platform or a media organization or any of that. Like that, I'm not that interested well, in because I, I... I would say if a Russian came to Boston with a bag of cash for WBUR to put ads on the air for Russia, um, they would be prosecuted very quickly. And I think for that same... Like Facebook needs to be held to the same standards as the rest of the media for accepting foreign ads uh, for electoral interference. That is that is something I want it with. But as far as like adjudicating who can say what? Hell no. Yeah. No, I mean, mm. I mean that, that I 1000% agree with, but I feel like that's different. But what, but what I would say though, is I, I kind of went on a little kind of Twitter thread and it didn't get any traction, unfortunately, because I thought I made a good point, which was that if uh, we really want Facebook to take this sort of thing seriously, and we really want them to make content decisions, the only way that happens is if advertisers and media companies start to boycott them and leave them alone. Because if you look at YouTube, for instance, and we've talked about this on this show, you know, it really took advertisers saying, we will no longer advertise on this platform mm-hmm. for them to start making content decisions about who could be monetized, who couldn't, what could be trending, all kinds of other things. Now, we can argue that maybe in some cases that has gone too far and it's restricted speech in some ways and, and blah, 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 blah. Fine. But the reality is YouTube didn't care at all mm-hmm. until it started hitting their wallet. You know, and so and I feel like it's honestly, it's the same thing with Facebook, like the Cambridge Analytica stuff. That's the sort of thing that could potentially get them broken up. That's the sort of thing that gets them fine. They will care about that, but they're not going to care about about, you know, um, getting rid of any of this content until advertisers stop using them. And so, I mean, honestly, I feel like if we want them to to really take this type of thing seriously, like I hate to say it, but like it's going to take corporate interest to do that. It's going to take advertisers to say en masse, like Procter & Gamble to say, we do not want our ads on this kind of content that is this sort of propaganda that is maybe funded by other people that is completely untrue, that is a cesspool of information. We do not want to be associated with this types of content until you remove it. We are not advertising with you. And at the same time, I feel like media companies who I know they're in a conflicted space, which is largely of their own doing because (laughs) they were the ones who chose to give their entire distribution mechanism over to Mark Zuckerberg to begin with in exchange for promises (laughs) that never came true. I'm just saying like, that's what, that's what it is. But media companies at the same time, including places like the New York times, including things like Mm -hmm. Fox, you know, my, my former employers as well need to say, okay, if we want them, if, if they refuse to be treated, be held to the same standards and, and the, the same types of things that we would be, CNN is the same thing, then we are pulling our ads. We are pulling our content. Like that's to me what it will take for them to mm-hmm. take any sort of stand about the nature of, of what they're doing, you know? And I, I do think that Facebook is the entity that needs to take a stand here. And I don't think they will, but I I, I think it's so frustrating that they do make judgments as as was pointed out in the i believe uh, the interface newsletter from the verge they have removed stuff that was Absolutely. deemed political in the past they didn't remove this and the quote from monica bickert that's her name i found it guys haha surprise i was doing things while you were talking uh, the <laughs> quote that really stuck out to me from the anderson cooper interview was we think it's important for people to make their own informed choice about what to believe which that that is absolute horse crap. Like, make it completely choose whether to believe it's funny or not, but believe that it is satire at the least. Well, at, at the very least, let me say this. You know, Facebook will remove, um, and I did this as a test because it happened to my friend Libby, and I actually got hit by it more than a year later, but it is apparently a thing. Huh. I posted ban men or no, no, um, 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 F men or something like that or, or, <laughs> yeah. or, or something like that or, or all men or whatever. It was something completely innocuous. I didn't tag anyone in it. That's just what it said. That was removed as hate speech. Cool. (laughs) Okay, so that content is no longer allowed to be up. Okay, fine. But yet completely propagandized video that's completely false, which is done for specific purposes, is allowed to spread. And the only thing you're going to say is um, requires additional reporting. Like that to me, again, like you said, I mean, they're, they're different levels, but they're making content judgments all the time. They are. They absolutely are. And they have to be 
open about that. So to me, you have to be consistent. You you have to own the fact that we're making these these judgments and deal with it. You know, what would be best is I think we just need to take the vaccine debate and autism and just let people make up their own mind whether ah. vaccines lead to autism and Jen, just just let them do that with their doctor and just yeah, whatever. Be, be, we'll yeah, just see what like, happens to America. Because it's not right? like we have outbreak, you know, right. of measles and all kinds of other things. I yeah. mean, honestly, guys, like it's going to be like we're going to get smallpox back, you know, like. <sighs> I, I'm not even joking. Like, it's going to happen yeah. because people aren't vaccinating their children. It it doesn't work. It's a nice ideal that lets Facebook dodge, but it's it's horse crap, Simone yep. T. Sure name. <laughs> it's a good word that I'm going to lean into from now on. <laughs> hey, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Linode. With Linode, you can instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in the Linode cloud, and you can get a server running in just seconds with your choice of Linux distro, resources, and a node location. Uh, guess what? It doesn't matter if you're working on your very first baby server or deploying a complex system, Linode are the folk to go to. They offer the fastest hardware and network with outstanding customer support if you ever need help. And it is super easy to launch a Linode cloud server, even if you are that baby server owner. And their block storage is available in Newark, Fremont, Dallas, Atlanta, Frankfurt, London, and Singapore, and it's soon to be released in Tokyo. Version 4 of Linode's RESTful API is out of beta, and it includes an officially supported Python CLI. And right now, they're also hiring! If you want to learn more and check out what they're looking for, just go to linode.com careers. But guess what? If you're just interested in the server situation, they have pricing options to suit everyone. Their plans start at just one gigabyte of RAM for $5 a month, and they offer high memory plans starting with 16 gigabytes of RAM. And Linode have a special offer for you, my dear listeners. As a listener of Rocket, you can go to linode.com slash rocket and use the promo code ROCKET2019 to get $20 towards any Linode plan. So on the one gigabyte plan, that's four free months. And they have a seven-day money-back guarantee, so there is nothing to lose. You can give Linode a try today. That's linode.com slash rocket, L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash rocket, and the promo code rocket2019, which is the year we're living in, folks, in case you forgot. Uh, <laughs> and you can go to that URL, you can learn more, you can sign up, you can get that $20 credit, deploy your servers out into the world and watch them thrive. Thank you so much, Linode, for your support of this show and all of Relay FM. Everyone needs a server. I'm just going to say it. Gotta Everyone have needs it. a server. Everyone. Your grandmother needs a server. What do you use yours for, Christina? What don't? I don't know. I have lots of little what projects of things don't. I do. <laughs> Speaking of little projects and things, okay, our next topic is kind of fun, but then also kind of has a dark underside, too. Uh, there was a new little handheld console announced last ah! week called Playdate. It I is know. a tiny yellow handheld console with a little black and white screen and crank on the side. Um, and it is going to launch with a, a flight of basically 12 games updated on a weekly basis uh, that are funny, odd things like games from Bennett Foddy, who did Quop. Uh, there's a game from Keita Takahashi, who did Katamari Damacy. I believe uh, Untitled Goose Game uh, is published by this publisher and i believe is yes. also going to be present on it uh, that i don't know but yeah they, they they will be publishing that uh panic well they also they were the publisher of, of firewatch um mm-hmm. uh, uh, uh and um uh, that company is now uh, valve bought them but they were the publisher of, of firewatch which uh, sadly Firewatch won't. and untitled goose game yeah firewatch is definitely not going to be on it um no but yeah lots of so basically fun little games with a on a cute new little console device uh, and everyone lost their absolute minds over <laughs> yes. this when it was announced including you guys uh, so i'll, I'll oh, yeah. turn it over to you so you can talk about it oh my god 
So I I have an interesting update about this from uh from uh yesterday on Twitter. So there was a there was a, a friend a friend of the show uh Simone other Simone was uh critiquing uh this because uh Playdate is apparently it's it's some uh LGBT kink app that's out there in the app store right now. That's a totally different thing from the secondary topic that I was going to introduce. But go oh, yeah, on, I gonna, please. I, I was going to say there was also the kerfuffle over the the conference or whatever. Oh, the conference. Yes, that's it. I'm sorry. sorry. But no, please continue uh, yes, talking about the kink app. Okay. Anyway, anyway. So uh, my friend, uh, fake Simone, not you, Simone, uh, was wow. critiquing this. And uh, we were in a Twitter thread together. And I was like, this isn't a great look, especially because, you know, women in games, we talk to each other. And there were some women in games that were pretty frustrated that like yet another console coming forward and all the games are being developed for it uh by by dudes right like you know cis straight dudes in the game industry uh and i was like yeah there were uh some people upset about this and the guy uh uh the guy uh behind it he was talking to me he was like oh cable. well you were cable he was like you were on our list of devs we wanted to develop for this and they sent me this picture of all the dream names that they had to develop for it and he realized he hadn't sent me that email so we are talking i <laughs> don't Amazing. know if I'm going to have time with my obviously congressional run, but clearly That's I funny. still have people from uh, Giant Space Cat that I work with, so I'm going to see if I can find I mean, some that, time to do this. That's fair, but it's also yeah. not as if you're the only woman right. indie developer. Well, they, they, well, they've said, and, and they haven't listed the names, that, that there are, are women game developers that are involved, and that they also have, you know, and, and queer and, and you know, uh, you know other, mm-hmm. uh, I guess... It, you know, yeah, there are theoretically like second seasons of games for this that will well, be. No, I mean, I, this was just something I saw with, with Kotaku. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm going to admit my own bias here. I um, I know Cable. I know Stephen. I I've been to the Panic offices. I've been a user of their stuff for you know forever. I have their like merch. I'm a I'm a big fan. So sure. I'm uh, I I can understand some of the critique, but like I'm I'm going to admit my own bias here and just say like. I know these guys. I'm a big fan, so mm-hmm. I can't be objective in that sense that I, I'm just really <laughs> excited about this. Like, I, What gets you excited about this product? Well, it's just, I think it's fun. I think that it's, okay, so it's basically, I kind of, I was, I've been trying to kind of uh, um, coin this term about ADHD nostalgia. And I think this is kind of the perfect thing that kind of replicates that, where we're all kind of nostalgic about stuff that we had in our childhoods. Sometimes things we didn't even experience, uh, uh, which is why I bought a Zune a couple of weeks ago, something that I, I'd never owned before. Um, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about how much we loved the Game Boy, um, a, 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 you know, a couple months back and, and our memories of that. Um, I think that this is, seems like potentially a really fun device a really fun kind of throwback. It's it's not designed to take on the Switch. It's not designed to be a mass market thing. This is designed for, frankly, you know, like probably, you know, um, well-paid nerds in their, you know, 30s and 40s. Yeah, who it's have a collector of, item, essentially. Completely. I mean, I mean, it's made by 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 teenage engineering. It's it's a small batch thing. I mean, this is just, I think, kind of a cool project. And I have to say, it's exciting to me just in the concept that somebody had an idea that said, wouldn't it be cool if we could do this? And then they were able to put it together and put it out there and then have people build games for it. Like, I, I don't know. I, I love that kind of DIY aesthetic. I like the idea of something that's not going to be for everyone and that, is not supposed to take over the world or be connected or do all kinds of other things that has creativity based on, you know, some of the limits that that are going to be involved, I'm assuming, with the screen and the processor and things like that. And the crank seems like that could be really cool. I don't know. Like, I just, this sort of thing, we don't see this type of ingenuity very often. And that really excites me. I'm really excited that something, I think that obviously the internet lost its collective mind. But if we think about the number of people that will actually buy this, it's not going to be a huge number. They're going to they're going to sell probably the amount that they make, but this isn't designed to be something that is going to be on store shelves and that, you know, millions of people are going to own. Like that's that this doesn't scale that way, you know, and and that's kind of exciting to me. I mean, I I feel like I have a a really I I've thought about this so much too, Christina. Like why are people so interested in this? And and this is my answer for this. 
I've talked on Rocket a lot about how much I've been doing uh, vintage uh, gaming lately. Yeah. Like the number one handheld. Yeah. Did you guys see a while back the uh, the picture that went viral on on Instagram of uh, uh, Chris Evans playing uh, OG Tetris with Scarlett Johansson, like with yeah. the GBA link cable? Yeah. I saw that and I was like, that's awesome. And I went and got my husband like an OG uh, Game Boy and we've been playing a ton of Tetris and Dr. Moria because yep. there's just, there's something like, don't get me wrong. I love my switch. I love real gaming, but there's just something that's so exhausting about opening up a 2019 game and knowing, okay, there are going to be patches. There's going to be DLC. There's going to be microtransactions. There's going to be this and that. It's going to be a 20 hour experience. Like sometimes you just want something simple and the mm-hmm. the i the app store used to be that before it became an IAPS show <laughs> and it's just not and i just i absolutely love the idea of a system where the graphics are simple enough cuz it's a black and a white screen that it's mm-hmm. not going to cost a trillion dollars to do 3D assets for it like you're coding it with Lua it just yeah. it just well, seems so yes. easy completely yeah. i mean like i think one of the first things i ever kind of programmed around other than like web pages was building apps for my um texas instruments calculator right yes me too and 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 there's something powerful about that kids still do that today by the way it's I, it's weird calculators like crafting calculators have not caught up like they're basically still stuck in like 1998 like they have not um really surpassed past that but, like, i remember but people, those days yes absolutely but people still play those games and love them and there's something addictive about that i mean you bring up tetris right like tetris is one of the most addictive games of all time one of the best games of all time single player or multiplayer even like the the most recent tetris for for ps4 you know kind of shows the the power that that game still kind of has but there was something about it on a black and white screen where you could play outdoors that you know had battery life for days that you know was just fun mm-hmm. um and i don't know i i just this this is cool you i mean there's look- helped me understand i think why people are losing their minds over it because I, I i think what i what i the conclusion i've come to after listening to you both talk is that this definitely is not a product for me like right. <laughs> for, for me I, I did not understand i guess why people were calling it incredible and innovative and ah, because to me it just looked like a cute little whatever um but your points about it being unconnected and simple uh definitely resonate with me um so i I think i understand where people are coming from now in a yeah better way and then there's something else to it too, which is going to be like, and I'll I'll be the one person to like be honest about my own admission to this. There's going to be like a cool hipster factor. I know that John Gruber you like, want to put it in your drawer. <laughs> um, yeah, well, and and show it off, you know, because can you imagine like being on the bus with a subway and having one of these things? I'm sorry, there's like something cool with that. Like, there's a certain like like. John Gruber, I think, took issue with, with something being described as like hipster or whatever. Dude, mm-hmm. this is completely hipster, but I don't think that that's a pejorative. It's yeah. just, it's accurate. His, his very breathless blog post is part of what put me off about this initially. I'll, I'll be perfectly frank about that. Um, he's very and again, into I, it. I, I, I haven't <laughs> read this. Now I've got no, yeah, to. Yeah, well, and, and I think, I mean, I don't want to defend him and I'm certainly not speaking for him. I think that also part of what into, went into it too, certainly not the entire response, but certainly a big part of it, is there are lots of us who have been using Panic stuff for years, who love them, who know their deep connection to retro games. Probably more than a decade ago, they released these um, fake software boxes for their uh, Mac apps in the style of Atari um, game boxes, like designed with a, art and the font and everything. And I still have them. Like I paid money for fake software boxes that were designed to look like they came out in 1980, mm-hmm. you know, for like 2000s era Mac software. Um, that's, that's just the kind of company yeah, that, that they, they definitely are. have like the roots in the, the tech community, like the people who get really excited about this stuff. Brie, I will read to you the quote from Daring Fireball. Uh, this story is about Playdate, the most amazing and exciting product announcement for me since the original iPhone. Which I, anyway, anyway, 
He's very excited <laughs> about it. And I can appreciate that. I It just kind of made me go, okay, all right. This seems a little <laughs> hyperbolic. Um, but I'll put that in the show notes. I want to briefly touch on the other story that's been going on around Playdate, which is about uh, a queer indie games showcase that also had the name Playdate that I believe is local to somewhere in California. Um, and they had been sent a letter asking them to, or basically saying it might be best if they changed their name because of the product that Panic was putting out. Uh, so there's been a larger conversation, I think, on Games Twitter about the language that was used in that letter, which Cable Sasser has acknowledged, like, we should have phrased that differently because actually it sounded kind of threatening when we said, <laughs> you, you better change your name if you don't want to be confused with us and our big product. Um, but yeah, they, it was an initial, like, not great look for Panic. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, it came out later. I mean... <sighs> I honestly, you know, I don't I, understand I, why they would need to change their name because it's not a... I mean, it is games related, but it's an event and not a product. Well, I think they have a trademark and I don't know when they filed for any of that and how much diligence they did. And I don't, I don't know. I'm going to take him at his word because I know him that he wasn't meaning it as threatening. I totally understand why it came across that way, but I'm going to take him at his, his word um, on that regard. Mm -hmm. I, and, and say that, you know, maybe it comes off as presumptuous to say, oh, you know, you, you, um, we're going to be so much bigger. You don't want to be confused with us. But I mean, that's the only thing I can kind of think is that in their mind, they were like, well, you know, this is going to be getting a lot of attention and and you don't want to be associated with the wrong thing. It's not a good look. I'm just going to, I mean, as someone who's run a company, I can't tell you how many times I've had to, to call the lawyers and go like, this is kind of threatening. <laughs> like, tone <laughs> it down. You're affecting our ability to work with people. Like, we used to have a, a phrase in one of our employment contracts. I didn't write it. Frank didn't write it. Our, our current lawyer didn't write it. Like, some lawyer a, a long time ago threw it in there. And it was really, it was just a really, really harsh uh, piece of language in there. And sure, it protected us, but it, it, it didn't build trust with people. So, you know, I can just, I can imagine that happening. Yeah. Surely. Well, I mean, he says that his lawyer didn't write it and he didn't want it to be heavy handed. And I mean, I don't know, like, definitely it. I think the one thing that comes across there, because he doesn't say anything in, anything in that email about it being from a lawyer, but he just says that he got his fancy pants federally registered trademark. That's kind of a, a, a sign. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take him at his word just because I know him, but I understand why people would look at that and, and be, you know, not, not pleased. Yeah, I, th- I think it's okay to take him at his word, but I would just love to use this as a, a teaching moment. <laughs> uh, because the way that it, that it looks when you are when you have a, a company, a registered company, and you're reaching out to a small indie collective of queer feminist game developers. <laughs> you just it, it's it's a moment where we have to step back and think about the optics and the power dynamics at play. And I wish that that had been done earlier. No, I mean, and fair enough. The only thing I will say, and again, I'm not trying to carry water for anybody, but I do know that they have a, a web editor uh, called Coda, like a, a software development tool called Coda, and they've announced that their next version of the editor will not be called that. That They've, I guess, sold the name. It'll be completely redesigned, but they're going to be calling it something else, and they're giving Coda, which is a different software company, um, I guess, that name. Um, so I wonder if some of the impetus was that was coming not from a, you know, you should change your name because we're going to come after you thing, but from Mm -hmm. a, we know what it's like to have something that was called something and then have a company raise millions of dollars calling it the exact same thing and the confusion that that caused us. And it does seem like going by the tweets between all the involved parties that this has been like peacefully resolved and it's fine now. But (laughs) yeah, teaching moment, teaching moment. Uh, I want to move on to our third topic, uh, which was going to be the Pokemon Sleep app, but I just want to posit to you all a potential different dessert for us today. Because Please. Plant, yeah. Chris Plant, my coworker, uh, just posted his review for uh, the Millennium Falcon ride at Galaxy's Edge. Disneyland oh Galaxy's oh Edge. Gosh. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm going to drop it in Skype and we're just going to have a just a live... I guess I'm 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 reading it now. I've already got it open. We're doing it live, folks. 
So for everyone who doesn't know, uh, Disneyland Galaxy's Edge is opening in June. Um, I believe it's next week because Plant posted a picture earlier today. Of- uh, Brianna Wu will be there in seven days. No, I, I, <laughs> yeah. she has campaign <laughs> stuff. She has campaign oh, stuff. She, 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 she will be there as soon as possible. I know. Oh, um, my God. Plant posted pictures of the line times at Disney today. And because it's the week before Galaxy's Edge, the lines are like 10 minutes long. Which is incredibly <laughs> short. Um, yeah, it is. That's hilarious. Yeah. So, Galaxy's Edge is obviously the ride based on the Millennium Falcon. It's one of two rides that is that is opening. One is going to be open later this year. It's called Rise of the Resistance. But um, this one looks. Oh my god! It runs in Unreal. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so this isn't, it's not just a ride. This is an interactive yeah. game where six yeah, people yeah. sit down and crew up he the calls, I'm tempted to call it the most impressive arcade game on the planet, but that feels like a backhanded compliment. The ride is like something from a different timeline in which arcade games become the dominant form of entertainment, the sort of, uh, the sort of things mega companies would dump millions upon millions of dollars, merging gameplay with real-life feedback to create short, exhilarating adventures. Oh my god, this I'm so excited so cool. about this. Okay, so two people control the guns, two serve as engineers repairing the ship and unleashing a harpoon. Oh my god, this sounds so unbelievably good. Oh my god. Six gosh. people can ride at a time, and it is a train heist essentially in space, ah, except in the Millennium Falcon, uh, that so plays cool. like an on rails arcade game. This everything about Galaxy's Edge makes me so excited because all I want to do is dress up in Star Wars clothes and LARP in Disneyland. Totally. And then it's so cool. This isn't a pre-rendered video. This isn't Pixar quality computer animation that takes supercomputers hours and hours to produce a few frames of film. It's like a video game playing out in real time. I mean, it is a video game. It runs on video game hardware and software. This is so cool. I love this because this is kind of like the perfect world with this is that the whole point of these rides, right, is that you want to experience Star Wars. You want to be in that universe. Yeah. And obviously it's cool if you have like the, the the full motion video and that sort of thing and the roller coaster. But then if you're able to actually make choices and control things, oh my God, I just thought I just thought of something. Like people are gonna be obviously this is gonna be used for everybody's fast pass, but it's gonna be so interesting to see people try to get better scores and, and, and play it better. Oh yeah, and get yeah. different like, stuff yeah. like doing different jobs on the ship. Like I'm oh my God. But see, okay, I'm going to admit. So Disney Quest closed. I was down there when it closed. I love Disney Quest. If yes. listeners have never heard of this, it's like this uh, in the 90s, Disney bet that big on developing their own games. They made this three-story uh, thing in downtown Disney. I guess what we call Disney Springs now. And they developed a lot of these, like multiplayer games. The best one there was Pirates of the Caribbean, and it was a seven-player game where you had uh, six cannoneers and one, and one like pilot there. And I want to tell you, there's nothing like being at Disney and like you're kicking butt because you've done the ride a hundred times and then some four-year-old is <laughs> screwing up your high school and you just want to be like, oh, but, you know, and, but you then imagine going with your whole crew. Yeah. Your friends. Oh, your my confident God. friends. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. Oh, my God. No, this wow. is going to be so much fun. It, his final thing is, um, uh, this isn't a ride that will change the world, but for a few minutes, it will make the world a hell of a lot more fun. Yeah. I'm yeah, pumped. I got to go to Disney, y'all. I'll see you later. Yeah, Bye. same. I got to go as well. No, I was I was, uh, I was, was at Disneyland in um, February. Now I, I need to go back. God knows I have a frequent flyer miles. <laughs> but this is, this is what's so frustrating. I have been like, you know how often I go down there, and I have been trying to get on the Avatar rides that they've added yeah, apparently to those are great. Animal Kingdom. You still can't get a fast pass for it. It's wow. nearly impossible. I've only seen half of it, and the ride is only is 90 minutes for the really good one down there, which is why I've never gone on it. And that's for freaking Avatar, not mm-hmm. Star Wars. Do you know how bad this time is oh, going yeah. to be? Yeah, I don't no, even I mean, know when I'm going to be. I mean, I've never been to Disney, obviously but it's going to be like 10 years before I can go and get in line. <laughs> oh, my God. I feel. I, oh I, I'm, God. I'm anticipating like a whole like secondary market of like line waiters just for this. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. 
Maybe I, like I can it. be a line. Wait, no, I don't want that. I like it. Anyway, yeah, this is awesome. And I'm extremely jealous of all my coworkers who are at Galaxy's Edge this week. Uh, you can stay tuned because we've got a few people there. And they will be posting stories uh, as they explore the park before it opens. And I definitely don't hate them or resent them in any way. Brianna, what are you up to this week? Uh, I could tell you what I'm up to this week. Uh, before I do that, I know you can't say this, Simone. Uh, Vox uh, Union had a walkout today. Uh, I love it. that walkout. Hell yeah. So, okay. Well, uh, I 100% stand by that. Thank and stand you. by you, Simone. And it's an important issue. You know, uh, societies cannot survive without journalism. And journalism can't survive without journalists. So yeah. we need to pay they need to journalists what is fair. So I finish. 100% stand by that. Sign the contract. Give us the yep. contract. End this. It's been over a year. Um, yep. And I'm really excited for it to be over. So that we don't have to do a full day walkout because nobody wants to stop working. Right. I right. don't. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we need it done. We need it to get done. Uh, Christina, uh, what are you? Wait, oh, sorry. Oh, what yeah. I'm doing this week. I'm rooting for Vox. Uh, Thank you. Guys, don't ever buy a house. It Noted. is so bad. It is so <laughs> unbelievably bad. So we got a great rate from People's Bank and... We've been working with them, and they have effed up our entire closing. We have an oh, underwriter that's that's everything's done on our side, and they're giving us papers at the last minute. Today, our closing was supposed to be yesterday. We've got the seller's lawyer that's angry at us because like, we're trying to close, and the bank is holding it up. Uh, it is just a dreadful, dreadful process. And I've never, after going through this, I don't understand why the housing industry, like this process has not been disrupted. It is so bad. Too many uh, people profit off of it. Oh, it's, yeah, it's exactly what you say. Like you look at the closing costs, uh -huh. like what they're making off it. You're like, how is this legal? Elizabeth Warren, please come here and solve this problem because this is terrible. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, hopefully by the time we do Rocket next week, uh, I will have a house though. So I hope Yay, so too. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Man, Christina, what about you? Um, I'm not on an airplane, so that's really good. Um, although it's possible I might be in San Francisco next week. I don't know yet. Um, uh, I'll let you guys know if that's oh the case. Oh, my God. Um, I know. I know. So uh, I'm just uh, – I've got I've just got a bunch of stuff going on at work. Just, have, you know, some internal stuff I can't talk about, but all good things. And um, I'm about to record a podcast for The Incomparable. I'm not sure when it will be up uh, about uh, the uh, – the Dark Knight, one Woo. of my favorite movies ever. So I'm very yes, excited about yeah. that. Yes, yes. Well, I'm just preparing wildly for E3. Again, I will be staying in New York for that. Um, but I will... Mm, the likelihood of me being around next week, I, I want to say is... I, I, I want to say I will not be around next week. I'm going to draw that line for myself because I will be Good. running Polygon Video next week. Yep. And we have some exciting stuff planned and some exciting stuff hopefully will be revealed because if not, then we're going to be the only exciting stuff. Um, I want to give a special shout out to the article that Christina just dropped in Skype, which is the best article that I read today which is about how Cara Delevingne and her girlfriend Ashley Benson bought a $450 sex bench um, oh, and were photographed God, by God, love it. paparazzi bringing the sex bench home after errands at Target and laughing and smiling and enjoying their lives. And truly, that's the energy that I want us all to bring into next week as we go into E3 and closing on houses and doing things at work. Feel the joy that Cara Delevingne and Ashley Benson felt when they spent $450 on it, an incredible sex bench. I'm so excited for them both. I'm also so I'm so excited that this relationship is still happening. I'm happy for it, me. Like, it, yeah, same. Because this, this relationship has filled me with so much joy. It's the only pure thing in 2019. It really is. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, where can we find you online, Brie? Uh, you can find me at my new house, hopefully. And you can also find me on uh -huh. Brianna Wu and developer Brianna Wu on Facebook. Nice. Christina? You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. And you can find the videos that I do for work, which will be happening more frequently now that I'm not traveling all the time, <laughs> at youtube.com slash Microsoft Developer.
Nice. And you can find me on Twitter at doomquasar and at youtube.com slash polygon, where I will be possibly showing my face next week, which hasn't happened in a while. Uh, Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to Rockets. Please do consider giving us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are reviewed and share it with your friends who want to stay up to date on all of the news. Uh, I want to say I had a lot of fun talking about the Playdate today. It was nice to just talk about a product. It was good. It was good. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. All right, everyone. This episode of Rockets is terminated. 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 Terminated.